We're so glad to have you join us today. I just wanna welcome you wherever you may be tuning in from uh, around our country or even around the world. So glad to have you a part of our digital Traders Point Church family. And uh, I've got two things before we uh, jump into the message today. Uh, First of all, I just wanna wish all of the moms and moms-to-be a very happy Mother's Day. We love and appreciate you so much, not just for what you do for us, but for who you are. And I know that uh, right now being a mom is maybe even especially challenging during these days that we are in because you've had a whole bunch of other titles and responsibilities attached to uh, your daily routine. Uh, But I also hope that it's doubly rewarding. And uh, we just wanna celebrate you today. Um, I wanna acknowledge too, that even under the best of circumstances that Mother's Day can oftentimes uh, be difficult for a variety of reasons. And so I just want you to know Uh, that if you've got a hurting heart today, that we are thinking about you and praying specifically for you. Second thing that I I wanna mention is I know we've got a whole bunch of people that are hurting over the tragic murder of a young man by the name of Ahmaud Arbery. And he was, um, his life was taken simply because of the color of his skin. And so we refuse to look the other way on this. We, we want to acknowledge it. And I just want you to know that we are standing with our brothers and sisters of a variety of, of ethnicities to say that racism in all of its forms is wrong and that the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us hope beyond it. And so I wanna, I wanna just pray, uh, celebrating moms. And I also want to just lift up hurting hearts Uh, that uh, are watching right now. So let me pray. Father, we we come to you today and I just thank you for all of our moms that are joining us today. I pray that they would feel cherished and celebrated. God, I also just wanna lift up all of the hurting hearts that uh, this has caused a lot of fear uh, over this uh, young man whose life was so tragically taken. Father, we, we ask that you would come, that your spirit would come and unify us and give us courage and boldness and strength, that the gospel message wouldn't just be something that we believe, but it would be something that would change the way that we live and the way that we interact with one another. And so I pray that your spirit would be present right now in the life of everyone who is tuning in today. I ask that you would give them exactly what they need to feel comforted and um, encouraged right now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. First day of fifth grade, I uh, ran out with my friends uh, during recess and we were climbing on the jungle gym and uh, it was a hot August uh, afternoon and uh, I jumped from one side of the jungle gym to the other. And I grabbed a hold of the bar and my feet uh, swung out in front of me and even uh, over my head. But because my hands were sweaty, uh, the bar slipped out of my hand and it sent me hurtling through the air. Uh, I landed on my head. uh, So it produced this big knot on my forehead and it knocked the wind out of me. And I remember just uh, rolling around on the ground. And I I know that it was probably only just a few moments, but at the time it felt like an eternity uh, where my head was throbbing and I couldn't catch my breath. And I remember very vividly having this thought, when will the pain stop? And I'm just willing to bet that maybe that question has crossed your mind a number of times here over the last several weeks. When will the pain stop? I've asked that question a variety of times in my life. I've asked that question whenever a a relationship or a friendship came to a bitter end, when will the pain stop? I've asked that question during a season of anxiety, depression, frustration, and confusion, when will the pain stop? 
I've asked that question whenever I made maybe a poor financial decision and it hurt our family in, in some way. When will the pain stop? That's a question that many of us are asking right now. It's a question that uh, a young man by the name of Joseph asked a lot in his life as well. If you're just now joining us, we are in this series called Resilient, studying the life of this guy named Joseph. And his story is found in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. And Joseph um, what grew up as a, as a young, talented, gifted young man. In fact, uh, God had given him a promise that he was gonna grow up to be someone special and to do something significant. And, and sure enough, Joseph would. I mean, Joseph would eventually grow up to provide critical leadership to the entire nation during a massive global crisis. But first, his life would take a painful 13-year detour. He would be beaten and thrown into a well by his brothers. He would be sold as a slave to Egypt. Uh, he would be falsely accused of something that he didn't do. He'd be thrown in prison. He would do some people some favors. Then they forgot about him all in prison for an additional two more years. And when most people would have thrown in the towel and given into their own bitterness, Joseph stayed resilient. And as a result, he is one of the very few leaders that we read about in the Bible that finishes well. Like, I don't know if you know this, but only about 20% of the leaders in the Bible finish in a respectable way. And Joseph is one of them. And what makes his story that much more impressive is that he went through probably more pain than maybe perhaps anyone else other than Jesus. And yet Joseph still stays humble Joseph still has a servant's heart. I mean, I've just got mad respect for this guy. There's so much we can learn from him. You see, pain often brings progress into our lives in unprecedented ways. And that's what Joseph's story teaches us. And that's why we're studying it. Now, um, pain is, is never fun. I would never wish pain on, on anyone. And we never relish that pain. Yet uh, some of the greatest gains in life come through seasons of profound pain. Now, with that said, I think I would be remiss if I didn't point out that that pain is never permanent. Now, see, here, here's the illusion of pain. Like when you're in the middle of pain, it doesn't feel like it's ever gonna end. And that's simply not true. When I was rolling around on the ground that first day of fifth grade, I thought this is never gonna stop but it eventually did. The pain eventually subsided. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, verse 17, it tells us that pain is momentary, but that its effects and impact upon our life is it brings about this refining process that is long lasting. And that's really important for us to remember right now, especially during these days of anxiety and uncertainty that we are all walking through. Now, uh, we keep hearing terms like uh, these are unprecedented times and we've never, ever seen anything like this before and life will never be the same. And uh, I, uh, I, I wanna acknowledge that, yes, this is a, a, a massive crisis that few of us have, have seen in our lifetimes, but that doesn't mean that we haven't seen this before. The, these are not unprecedented times. We actually have plenty of precedent for this in history. We, we've been through even worse pandemics than this one. And, and here's the thing that we need to remember is that history shows us that pandemics end 100% of the time. 
we need to remember that. About a hundred years ago, we found ourselves in very similar circumstances with the Spanish flu. And during the Spanish flu, it led to the closure of schools, businesses, theaters, and churches. Did you know that there were fines uh, for coughing and sneezing and spitting and kissing uh, outdoors? In fact, they would say, you need to wear a mask or you're gonna go to jail. We've been here before. That pandemic ended, by the way, without any treatments and without any vaccines. And what followed shortly on the tails of that was this time in our history, maybe you've heard of it, called the Roaring Twenties. And during the Roaring Twenties, stadiums full of people came together and there was just this incredible period of economic, cultural, and industrial boom in our nation. See, that leads to this important principle that we need to remember right now is that if you only look around you when you're in your pain and you don't look behind you, then you will not see what is ahead of you. And as Jesus followers right now, we need to not only remember that, but we need to be examples of that to the the rest of the world. Now, as Christ followers, we wanna be responsible and wise and sensible. We wanna put the, the health and the well being of our communities as the top priority. And yet at the same time, we are gonna refuse to give in to fear, conspiracies, and hopelessness. I, I've had uh, just a, a couple of people reach out to me and, and say, hey, Aaron, would you, you know, check out this documentary on YouTube? Or, hey, I, I read this story about this, and it's, it's a conspiracy. Uh, that, you know, like uh, there's gonna be a vaccine that's gonna get developed and it's gonna get injected to all of us and it's gonna be the mark of the beast and it's the end of the world. And hey, we, we just need to chill on the conspiracies. It's not good theology and it actually distracts you from mission. It takes your eyes off Jesus. Listen, that's nothing new. When I was growing up in the eighties, the president was Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan, his first, middle and last name were six letters. And there were people that thought that because of that 666, that he was the antichrist. Well, Ronald Reagan uh, passed away several years ago. He clearly wasn't. We need to remember Isaiah chapter 12, verse two. It says, I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Look at me. God is faithful. He was faithful yesterday. He's faithful today and he will be faithful in the future. And he will lead us to recover. He will lead us to rebuild. And I promise you, he is gonna redeem these painful days that we are walking through. Well, last week we left off with Joseph getting to this place in his life where he finally had had let go of his pride that had been blinding him for so long. And man, now he is ready to grow. And uh, he gets called into Pharaoh's uh, courts uh, because Pharaoh's had some dreams that nobody can interpret. And uh, Joseph comes in and he says, I can tell you uh, the interpretation. Uh, Your dream means that there's gonna be seven years of uh, incredible prosperity followed by seven years of famine. So you uh, better get prepared. And Joseph flexes his leadership muscles here. Look with me at chapter 41, verse 37. It says, Joseph's suggestions were well-received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the spirit of God. 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on the throne will have a rank higher than yours. What I love about this is it was so clear to Pharaoh who uh, for all we know was not a believer in God. From the outside looking in, he could see the spirit of God so clearly in Joseph. And right now, more than ever, our world needs to see Jesus in you. A calm heart, a clear mind, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Well, in verse 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Wow, that's amazing. Talk about a dramatic turn of events. He goes from a prison cell to being in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. This new chapter of Joseph's life just looks dramatically different from where he has been. And what I love is that he didn't let any of it go to his head. I mean, he's rolling around in Pharaoh's Range Rover and everybody's bowing down to him. But see, here's the thing. Joseph's character had been forged by the fire of his pain. And so he could handle it now. It says in verse 51, Joseph named his older son, Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. And Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. And right now, what we just read, this is the, the beginnings of the deep waters of recovery in Joseph's Life. He's saying, uh, may God help me to forget all of my trouble. But then did you also notice he said, and forget my father's family. So there's, a, there's some pain still in Joseph's heart. I don't blame him. And so when he says, forget all my trouble, he's not saying that he'll literally forget all the trouble, but he's saying that where he is now, that God's faithfulness has overshadowed all of the pain that he has gone through in his life. He, what Joseph is doing is he's, he's, he's not just looking around him, he's looking behind him so that he knows where he's, he's going. He's, seeing, he's acknowledging the faithfulness of God, but there's still some recovery that needs to happen in his life. You know, I... Um, this last week I was talking to my wife and, and I just said, you know, honey, I, I, I would love to, to text or call myself one year from now just to find out how all this plays out. I know that sounds kind of twisted, but that's how my mind works. And I was like, I just love it if my future self could kind of coach my current self and just tell me what decisions I need to make and how to frame up expectations and how to lead through this thing. And she just kind of looked at me like, well, you can't do that. But what you could do is you could write yourself a letter and just, it, it just describe what you're currently feeling, what you're going through, the questions that you have, the prayers that you're praying, and then seal it up in an envelope. And then in May of 2021, open it up and read this letter from your past self. And here's, and maybe you would wanna do that too. And I think if we do that, I think here's what we'd find a year from now, we would see God's faithfulness to us. We would see how he saw us through some difficult days. He would, we would see how, yes, there's probably gonna be some, some pain and some unmet expectations. And yet at the same time, we're gonna see some rewards. We're gonna see some growth. We're gonna see how God carried us through. 
Well, the seven years of plenty come and go. And by verse 53, they are upon the seven years of famine. And it says in uh, verse 55, eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. When Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, I love this. Why are you standing around looking at one another? Apparently uh, uh, they uh, weren't the sharpest tools in the shed. I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise we'll die. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly. Wow, what would have that been like? Years have gone by and he sees them. Maybe a little older, a little grayer, but he recognizes them. He pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. I would have too. Where are you from? He demanded. From the land of Canaan, they replied. We've come to buy food. Wow, like long before the show, Undercover Boss, you had this going down. And now Joseph is the boss and they're the ones in need. And how's Joseph gonna respond to this? And I don't know, like there's a part of me that just thinks, man, this would be a sweet opportunity for some revenge. You know, let me give them a, you know, a, a bag of food. I'll spit in it, you know, as I give it to them. But uh, Joseph's got some decisions to make here. And we see that there's this kind of like back and forth. I encourage you to read it for yourself. This back and forth between Joseph and his brothers uh, in the middle part of chapter 42. But I wanna point out to you, verse 23. It says, of course, they didn't know that Joseph understood them for he had been speaking to them through an interpreter. Now that's interesting. I'd never really caught that before that, that Joseph has been in this foreign land for so long, for so many years that he's actually learned a different language, that he spoke in a different language and they didn't realize that he could understand them. That just shows not only the emotional gap that's between them, but very literally the cultural gap that's been in between them. Now he turned away from them and began to weep. That verse right there is a pivotal moment in Joseph's life. He begins to weep. And when he regained his composure, he spoke to them again. Joseph's raw emotion and real tears here, it, it reveals the beginnings of the deep waters of recovery in his life. It reveals that Joseph had gone through a severe trauma. And it's been said that tears are the irrigation of the soul. Now, I love how he regains his composure and he decides to, to go back in to speak to them again. Well, Joseph's character shines through here. He is going to serve his brothers even though they have caused him so much pain and so much heartache. You know what? We need to all acknowledge right now that we haven't just experienced uh, an unprecedented event. What we've experienced over the last eight weeks is trauma. Every single one of us in some way, we have experienced a trauma and there's a number of ways that we can choose to respond to that trauma. And we're, we're seeing it play out right now. We can, we can get angry, we can become fearful, we can give in to conspiracies and fear and paranoia. And those are all just coping mechanisms with trauma. See, trauma isn't just about what gets taken from you. Trauma is about what it leaves with you. And this is gonna leave something with us and that's why we need to address it. That's why we need to work our way through it. So that way we can be healthy because of this and it can strengthen us. 
See, see, Joseph could have become a very, very angry, bitter and cynical old man due to the pain that they had caused him. A lot of other people had, had done that with far less painful circumstances happening to them, but Joseph didn't. He worked through his grief in a healthy way. And as a result, God produced incredible fruit in and through his life and his leadership. So in just the last few moments of our time together, can I just kind of give you some, some application takeaways? Here's the, the first question that I think that all of us need to ask of ourselves. Maybe it's a great discussion to have around the table or maybe with your uh, life group on Zoom. Here's the question. What has this crisis taken from me? What has this crisis taken from me? And I think all of us need to speak it and we need to be as specific as we can. Maybe for you, this crisis has taken your job. Maybe it's your, your financial security. Maybe it's taken your health or the life of someone that you love. Maybe it's taken an, an opportunity from you. Maybe it took your high school graduation, your prom or your last year of high school sports. Maybe you had a special anniversary trip planned and, and that got canceled. See, we need to be specific about what this has taken from us because that's the first place to begin the process of recovery. You see, um, pressure always reveals the contents. And so what's happening is, is that when we've been under pressure right now, it's revealed some things about the contents of our character for good or for bad. And now is the time to see it, address it. So that way we can grow from it. Here's the second application. Give yourself permission to grieve what you've lost. So I don't know if you've done that yet. I, I think you just need to stop and you just need to give yourself permission. You're gonna need to do this over and over again. Just give yourself permission to grieve what you've lost. If I could just get real transparent with you, I'll just pull back the curtain in my own life. Um, my, uh, my wife's birthday was yesterday and I'm not gonna tell you how old she is, but it was a milestone birthday. Let's just say it that way. And uh, man, for the last year, I have been planning a special birthday trip for her because uh, she is the love of my life, my best friend. I wanted her to feel so special. And I had this whole thing planned. We were gonna travel somewhere special with some friends and this whole itinerary. And clearly um, this crisis uh, interrupted all those plans. And yesterday morning, I was just sad about it. And I just had to give myself permission to grieve one of the things that we've lost. And I know that maybe this crisis has taken something far uh, more uh, meaningful to you than maybe just a, a trip. I know that the sources of our pain run deep. And that's why extreme statements right now, like, you know, uh, we've never seen anything like this before and life will never go back to normal again. Those extreme statements are extremely foolish. We have plenty of precedent for this. And listen, we are one day closer to having all of this behind us. Number three, how you view things is how you'll do things. And the fear and the psychological impact of this, I think is gonna be big, maybe even bigger than the threat of the virus itself. And right now we know that addiction, alcoholism, domestic and child abuse, unfortunately are all on the rise right now. Everyone's routine has been disrupted and we are forming new habits right now as we speak. Now, some of those habits are good and some of those habits are destructive. And more than ever right now, you and I, we need to manage the way that we see things because everywhere you look, you just see more bad news, more fear, 
and all this stuff is like coming at us. It's clickbait. You know, the, 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 these companies that are producing news stories, and I'm not trying to say that, that all of them have negative intent, but I am saying you need to really pay attention to what the motive is behind it. And they're trying to get you to click on stuff. So they use dramatic extreme statements. You gotta change the lens by which you see things. You cannot let that stuff get into your heart. There's a great example of this in Lamentations. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah had been looking at things in a really destructive way. And we see this in verse 18. He says, everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. That's not true, but that's how he felt. He said, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. That was the way Jeremiah felt, but then he's gonna choose to see things differently. In verse 21, it says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Man, amen, Jeremiah. And so one of the best things that maybe you can do right now is to master your mornings. That first hour of your day is so crucially important. It sets the tone for the rest of the day. And so be disciplined in the way that you uh, navigate through your day. What a shame it would be if we came through this crisis avoiding the virus, but then we went unchanged. Now is the time for God to do these, this deep work in our life. You know, I've had a number of you reach out to me and just say, well, what, what's the plan for the church as we begin to move forward in the days ahead? And, and, and honestly, uh, uh, our team is working so hard right now trying to figure out what our plan is. And we're holding those plans loosely and we're seeking the wisdom and the direction of God. Uh, can I just say how proud I am of our team here at Traders Point. I mean, under you, you can be proud of them too, because under pressure, the contents of their character have been revealed and it's really, really good. I mean, they are leveling up in amazing ways. This has made us all better leaders. This has made us all better men and women seeking after, following after the heart of God. And so uh, we're uh, trying to figure out what our plan is in the weeks and months ahead. And I've got a piece about it. And uh, I, I produced a video last weekend that we put on the church's social as well as mine. If you missed it, you can go and you can check it out, which just kind of says, hey, here's kind of what we're thinking moving into the, the future. And we'll continue to communicate with you what all that is. And honestly, you know, I can't predict the future, but what I do know is we're not going anywhere, that the church is still here. It's gonna be stronger than ever. And uh, the church is not a building. The church is not some place we come to, but we are the church. And this is just a very, very vivid reminder of that. Physical gatherings are super important. They're not going away. One day we will get together, but they're just there to stir us up so that we can be the church every other day during the week. So here's what I wanna just encourage our church to do right now. First of all, is I wanna encourage us to pray. I just wanna call our whole church to prayer. Um, that we would pray uh, for healing, that we would pray for our medical professionals and first responders, that we would pray that the fear would begin to subside, that we would pray that lives would be changed through this forever. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14 says, if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Church, I wanna call us to prayer. Let's just pray every day fervently for God to intervene and see us through this. The second thing is as a church, we're just gonna give hope. 
We are gonna give hope daily. Uh, hope is a far better motivator than fear. And we are one day closer to all this being behind us. And our hope is in the Lord who controls uh, the, the biology of this universe. Last two things, we're gonna serve and support one another. Our ministry is ramping up, not down. We are not closed. We are more open than ever. And we're gonna continue to serve our city, our communities in the world in Jesus' name. Let's come around each other and serve and support one another. And lastly, let's stay close and connected. I know these are trying times. I know that uh, uh, online church, uh, maybe for some of you, you think is great. Others of you, maybe you're struggling with it. Maybe you're like, man, you know, it's really hard to, to adjust to this. And I totally get it. I am tired of preaching into a camera. I can't wait to actually preach in a room with, with real life people once again. But until that day, this'll do. And you know what? We're still close. We're still connected. We're still here. You know, back that first day of fifth grade, I was in the nurse's office and I had a bag of ice on my forehead and I was laying there waiting uh, for my mom to come pick me up from school. And I will never forget the school nurse that came in to see me that day. Her name was Mrs. Burnett. I'll never forget her. Mrs. Burnett carried herself with such elegance and grace. And she, she, she was a Christian. And I remember she came in that afternoon and she really encouraged me. She, she pulled up a stool, she sat down. She said, Aaron, what happened? And I told her, and she looked at me and she said, I'm so sorry that that happened. And then she said, you're gonna be okay. Can I pray for you? Can I just look at you right now and say, I'm so sorry that this has happened. You're gonna be okay. Can I pray for you? Father, we come to you right now and we know that you are in control of yesterday, today, and forever. We have plenty of precedent for the challenges and the pain that we are walking through. God, remind us of your goodness and your faithfulness to see us through this one. And we're just gonna declare it in Jesus' name that you are gonna help us to recover, to rebuild, and you're gonna redeem this for our good. And there will come a day in the future where we will look back at this and we will say uh, that was so painful and yet God used it. God used it in ways that maybe we can't even anticipate right now. And so God, help us to do the work of the deep waters of recovery in our soul so that we would come through this closer to you, not further away. We're so grateful that you're a good, good father. We trust you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.